Nathan. Welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. You can find the Bridging Chicago podcast by visiting our website, www.bridgingchicago.com, by visiting our Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago, or by following us on LinkedIn. Today, I am joined by Jeffrey Loving, an attorney in Chicago, focusing on father's rights and family law. So, Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It's my pleasure, and it's great being here. Yeah, we're happy to have you, especially in studio, because we're so happy to be getting back to doing some in-person recording. So, happy to have you here. Um, since we are bridging Chicago, and we always start with asking our, question, our guests about their Chicago story. So, if you can tell us, either were you born here, or what brought you here to Chicago? Well, I was born in Chicago. Oh, okay at the Lyon Hospital on the south side. <laughs> Is the hospital still there? I hope so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, we'll have to, we'll have to check. I was see. born a long time ago. <laughs> okay, um, I always find it interesting when people tell me they're from Chicago because one of the things that we know here is that the city is big on its neighborhoods. People love their neighborhood. All the neighborhoods are very different, very vibrant. Can you tell me about what your Chicago neighborhood was like? I grew up on the southeast side of Chicago okay. uh, at 909 South Euclid. That's right near, it's between Jeffrey Boulevard and Stony Island. Okay. And, and it's closer to Jeffrey Boulevard. And it was a very nice neighborhood. And I went to Warren Grammar School. And after that, Bowen High School for three years only. And uh, it was a great experience. Actually, yeah. Muhammad Ali was my neighbor. And I remember I walked over to his house once. I just figured, I, you know, I had a, I wanted to meet him. Yeah. So he invited me in his house. His wife was there, and uh, it was very interesting. He was playing Howard Cosell tapes for me. Now I was wow. a boy then, so I didn't even know who Howard Cosell was. Yeah. But he seemed to love Howard Cosell, so I was just trying to pretend that. I was really interested, <laughs> and I didn't know what Howard Cosell was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people who did listen to Howard Cosell knew what he was talking about half the time, so you're not alone there. Uh, that's that's so interesting, and that's the kind of stuff, the Chicago stuff that, you know, you don't hear about all the time, you don't read about all the time, because those are the stories of people who live here, who know the area, who know the heartbeat of Chicago. You can't get that without at least visiting here and spending some time here in the city. Absolutely. And visiting different neighborhoods yeah. is also important because yeah. there's so much enrichment in, in the various neighborhoods. Uh, and I actually moved to the north side after my parents were divorced. Uh, I moved with my mother. Okay. Uh, my dad moved out. And I went to Sun High School my last year. Okay. What, what difference was that? that you saw in there, did you, was it really different moving up to the north side, different people, like what did you experience? It was very different for me because when I grew up on the south side of Chicago, it seemed to have a real community feel and yeah. I knew my neighbors. Yeah. I knew my neighbors on the south side. Mm -hmm. On the north side, it seemed much more urban, okay. it seemed highly congested and I was living in a giant apartment building, I didn't even know any of my neighbors. Yeah. It seemed as if it was almost a different city. Yeah, and, and I think you do get that feeling. I live close to downtown here, so for me, you know, I'm around tourists a lot. Um, there's a lot of attractions here, a lot of good food here, but it does seem very touristy. So 
when I go out into the neighborhoods, it's always an interesting time because I, I love seeing people out, you know, sometimes they'll be gardening or sweeping their porches. They'll be talking to each other over the fence. Like those are the things that I grew up with in a small town that do actually happen here out in the neighborhoods. Yeah, it's, I remember when I was in high school, I was at the corner of uh, 90th or actually 89th in Euclid and I was walking home and I was actually jumped by uh, some hoodlums and the neighbor who's living in that house came out uh, uh, with with a saw and chased them and they and they ran. It was a very crazy experience. Yeah. But I was thinking on the north side, if that happened to me, uh, nobody would have probably yeah. done anything probably. to help me as a young boy. Yeah, pretend like they didn't hear anything. Right, there. exactly. Yeah. Very yeah. different. Uh, so after you graduated from high school and you were deciding what to do next in life, did you know right away that you wanted to be an attorney or how did you go about going to, to college and then where did you go to college? Well, I was always interested in the law okay, because I saw a lot of injustices growing up in Chicago mm -hmm. and especially once in high school where I, I saw uh, a, a, a fight between certain high school students and the police where they're watching it yeah. until yeah. they finally decided to break it up. They wanted a little entertainment. So I, I was always interested in law, but when I was younger, I was more interested in the media, communications, radio and TV. So I first went uh, to uh, uh, Loop, a city college, which was, okay. it's now called Harold Washington, which is interesting. My mother was a secretary years after that. Huh. And uh, then I went to Amundsen Mayfair, and then I went to Southern Illinois University where I graduated with a degree in communications, radio and television. Wow, so you went to Carbondale then? Mm -hmm. Which, for those who don't know, Illinois is very far from where we are here. Very far. And very different. Exactly. It was completely different than the south side or the north side yeah. or any, any place in Chicago. Very, yeah. very different. It was close to Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from the central Illinois, so I'm almost exactly halfway between um, like St. Louis and Chicago. Um, so it is very different depending on where you go. Um, but obviously after you graduated from SIU, you came back, did you come back here to the city right away? Yes. Yeah. And to go to law school? To work and make a living. Okay. Uh, because I put myself through college, which was a, 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 a struggle and sometimes yeah. a, a nightmare, even though I, it was valuable to me, uh, growing and learning. Uh, but I needed a job. So I worked for about two years uh, and it was very difficult. And then I ended up going to law school. Okay. Do you feel like having to pay your own way to college, having to work to get your education made a difference in how you studied, um, how you valued your education, and then like what you chose to do afterwards? Well, to me personally, it did yeah. because I, ha I had a give up a, 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 a real social life to work and put myself through college. When I went to Southern Illinois University, I had to get a job as a dishwasher while I was going to college full-time wow. uh, so I could eat. Yeah. So it meant a lot to me to take advantage of uh, the university uh, because what I had to give up to go there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, education is one of the greatest resources. And I think that um, providing access to education is very important. Um, and, and I think that when you have to work hard for that, there is a level of appreciation there that I've seen in people. It's the same, um, I hear from a lot of people who, have, who are children of immigrant parents who um, have a special uh, value because their parents had to work real hard to get here and then they want them to take advantage of every opportunity that they can. It's the same sort of spirit that, that you hear in that a lot of times. Yeah, when I was uh, a little boy, uh, my grandfather w was an immigrant mm -hmm. and he was pretty important in raising me. He lived with me and, and then when he died, that's when my parents divorced. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then all kinds of different things happened. My yeah. brother ended up in a Catholic orphanage you know, and, it, uh, and my mother was living in poverty. So a lot of difficulties occurred then, which I think help turn me into who I am now. Yeah. Some people can look, you know, it's difficult to see into other people's lives and some people can look into the lives that maybe the life that you live today and say, you know, you're an attorney, you probably make good money, you probably are very comfortable, life probably isn't very hard for you. But I, one of the reasons that we really like to share stories here at Bridging Chicago is, is this kind of stuff because I think people don't always realize what you have to do to get to where you are, no matter who you are. Like there, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of trial and error to get to that point to where you can be successful and you can help other people. And I think your story is certainly one of that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was a story of, of struggles and mm -hmm. I ended up concentrating in family law, matrimonial law, custody, helping fathers, helping fathers and children, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera, because of experiences I had to deal with as a child. Yeah. Uh, if I wanted to really focus on making as much money as I could, I, I could have concentrated in catastrophic injury cases, mm -hmm. medical negligence, but uh, that didn't motivate me and it didn't tie into my mission. Yeah, I think providing access to justice, one of the reasons I really love to be a paralegal is that we are a bridge to justice to people. And so providing access to justice to people is really important to me. And when you start to see how other people experience that, what is it for you in providing that access to people uh, has been really important and what's been most um, rewarding for you in doing that? Helping people that otherwise couldn't get any help. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example. I, as a young lawyer, I handled criminal defense cases. Okay. Uh, and I represented a defendant in a burglary case uh, that I, I, I really thought was innocent, uh, but the evidence against him was tremendous. He was like, identified at the scene of the burglary mm -hmm. uh, yeah, by two eyewitnesses and a Chicago police officer was one who testified as well as the owner of the clothing store. He was accused of uh, burglarizing. And there was a co-defendant uh, who pled guilty and ended up with a multiple year sentence in prison. I tried the case and I spoke to his lawyer afterward. I said, why did you plead him guilty? 
Uh, and he said, well, I was working on the bond slip. It wasn't enough money. Well, then I said, well, you should have withdrawn. Let a public defender yeah. represent him. What if he didn't do it? And now he's he's going to be in prison for yeah. years. So it really angered me. I, it just it was outrageous to me. So I tried the case representing uh, my client. And my client had a much more difficult case because the two eyewitnesses identified my client, not the other attorney's oh, okay. uh, client. So his case probably was more of a tribal case. Yeah. And we didn't work together. We were from different law firms, but due to a potential conflict of interest, uh, the defendants needed different lawyers. So I tried that case and I won, I got a not guilty. And uh, I think part of it had to do with the cross-examination of the eyewitnesses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think after cross-examination, they were very credible. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, I felt really good that a man, uh, a young man, he was actually a, a young man, uh, didn't end up going to prison, and he did confess. And I always asked him, why did you confess? I said, because he told me he didn't do it. And I said, why did you confess? And he said, well, these two police officers had him in a room, yeah. and one said, uh, if you confess, this is what he told me, and he, he said, if you confess, you're not going to go to prison. And uh, if, if you don't confess, you're going to go to prison and you're going to go in a tight end and you're going to come out a wide receiver. <laughs> so he got scared. He thought he was going to get raped. So he signed a confession. Um, uh, well, I, I was very happy that that turned into a not guilty. Because yeah. if he went to prison, I think it would have ruined his life. Yeah. Because he wasn't, he's a very frail weak individual. I don't think he would have survived prison. Yeah. The, it's interesting because in Chicago, there's so many stories of people who uh, have to deal with the justice system and it doesn't always seem to work for people very well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really tough. And so I think having really good attorneys who are doing it for the right reason is, is always so important. And so we definitely appreciate when there are those attorneys. So, you know, the way that you handle your clients and the way that you work with them um, is very admirable. Tell me about when you started working in family law, because family law is a very different thing. And it's I've worked with a few family law attorneys and they always say it can be a very taxing thing and it's a very um, emotionally charged area of law. So tell me about when you first started working with family law and how you felt going into an arena like that? Well, I used to work in legal aid, and that's when I experienced family law cases. And then um, I felt the system would bend over backward uh, to help uh, parents based on gender, mm -hmm. not based on right, wrong, what was in the mm -hmm. best interest of the children. And that was really, really bothersome, bothersome to me quite mm -hmm. a bit. Uh, and then I ended up eventually working in a small law firm, and that's where I started building up my practice. I did work for this small law firm, um, but I also was building up my own practice and uh, handling anything, in any case, any client that I felt was a victim uh, that uh, needed help, needed justice. And eventually I just was driven to family law because I th thought there was tremendous injustice uh, in, in, the, in family law and also in criminal law too. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I handled a lot of criminal cases 
and I'm very upset with with some of the things I I saw. I and I used to get calls from friends that I went to high school with when they would get arrested because uh, uh, I went to two different high schools and where I went to high school, uh, you know, there 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 were gangbangers there mm -hmm. and they probably didn't know any lawyer right. other than me because they knew me from high school yeah. uh, and uh, I'll never forget one case this 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 uh, defendant uh, was on, was at an L platform and he was set up uh, and there was somebody laying on the ground and there was like a wallet hanging out of a person's back pocket and he took it he oh, I don't know if he took it he was accused of taking it and it was an undercover sting operation, and oh, it was wow. a police officer, and another one was hiding there, and they arrested him. Well, I represented him, and I, I just felt that, that one, I felt that he was trapped. To me, it was entrapment. To me, it was just not, you know, why set somebody up and tempt somebody to commit a crime that they may not otherwise commit when there right. are people committing crimes right. and hurting people and victimizing people that aren't being arrested? So uh, uh, that 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 case uh, was was important to me. Um, I want to talk specifically about uh, in family law about your specialty in dad's rights and why that became so important to you. Because oftentimes in family law in um, dissolution or, or divorce cases, it's the mom that most people feel need to be protected. They need, she needs to be taken care of. She needs to make sure that she has um, access to the kids. And probably not a lot of people think about the father or the father's rights or the father's ability to see his kids. So for you, what was it about dad's rights that was so important? And then how do you communicate that to people who may not understand why dads need to be protected as well? Well, Everyone needs to be protected. Mothers, fathers, children, families, everybody needs protection. But when there's gender unfairness and when there's not equality based on gender, that's when children suffer yeah. very badly. Yeah. Uh, I remember one case I handled where the father was falsely accused of sexually molesting his little boy. And he had a lawyer who he thought was not handling the case the way he wanted it handled. So he fired him, hired me. I tried the case, and it was a very tough trial. It, it actually wore me out mm. uh, it, day after day of uh, cross-examining witnesses. And one doctor who testified, I don't know why he testified the way he did. Uh, I, I, I completely believed he was making it up. And then a social worker testified against my client, and I cross-examined both of them. And I believe... I, I discredited them because they needed to be discredited. Yeah. And the judge ruled in my favor. And he found that my client, my the dad, did not abuse his boy. He And the judge clearly believed the allegations were false. Then he uh, ordered that my client have contact with his little boy. Because before that, my client couldn't even see his kid. Yeah. Uh, and he ordered visitation. But it was supervised, and my client had to have a supervisor while he was visiting his son, which bothered me because under the law, you can't supervise a father's visitation unless you're doing it because he, he presents a serious endangerment to the child. And the judge believed that the allegations were false, uh, but he supervised the visitation, 
And then on the record, he said he was doing it to protect the father from further mm. future false child abuse allegations. Yeah. So the father's relationship with his son was supervised, which probably communicated to the boy, maybe my dad is a bad man because my mom told me he abused me. Everyone said he abused me. And now I can't be alone with him unless somebody's watching. So it probably helped support the parental alienation, but the judge required supervision because I think he believed if he didn't, my client would eventually end up in prison. Yeah. And he didn't want my client in prison based on false accusations. Yeah. And that's not the first time something like that happened. I handle a lot of cases similar to that that were, were, were outrageous to me. False allegations of abuse, fathers being cut out of the lives of their children, and children suffering because of it. Suffering because of it. I have a, a, a friend of mine, his older brother had two sons. One committed suicide. And uh, it was very upsetting to me as to why did this little boy do that? And sometimes when children are used as tools of revenge and targets uh, because one parent hates the other, the ultimate victim is going to be, it's it's not going to be mom or dad. It's going to be the child. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to hear, but I mean... We don't. We won't even know the number of times stuff like that happens because I'm sure it happens not regularly, maybe, but frequently. And and I think in an area where it is so polarizing, where it's one side against the other, where there oftentimes is animosity, oftentimes one party would like to see the other one just really go down. I think having someone there, having um, an advisor there to make sure that things are happening the way they should, the right thing is happening is really important. But how do you sort of balance that with with feelings, with emotions, with, um, with you know, your own story of your parents divorcing? How do you sort of balance feelings and emotions with um, like representing a client and, and communicating the truth? Well, communicating the truth is critical to me because that's part of my mission. Yeah. Because communicating falsehoods and manipulations is the reason a lot of fathers have been pushed out of the lives of their children. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I use in my practice, I do use mental health professionals for clients. Sometimes they're necessary for children because it's a very, very stressful practice area and there, there's a lot of a lot of fathers that come to me really good people and they're going through the worst worst time of their life and they're worried about their children they're worried about losing their children they're worried about their children losing their own self identity self self respect and reason for living i mean i in this practice area uh, unfortunately, there is real abuse, then there's false abuse allegations, uh, suicides occur, uh, a lot of bad things can happen. And when lawyers do this work, they have to do it because they believe in it. They yeah. have to have a, a mission. It can't be just purely litigation to litigate to say, I won this case. Yeah. It has to be to save a life or save a family. And you've been able to do it really well, obviously, because you have had some people come around you, support you, um, 
I don't want to say praise you, but you know, show how well you're doing with what you're doing. Um, and so obviously you've been able to do that well over a number of years. Um, how have you been able to grow that network? And then how have you been able to sustain sort of that um, high level of care that you put into what you do? Well, I'd like to say by maintaining work-life balance, but that's <laughs> not accurate because of the hours I put in. Uh, but every time I solve one problem or resolve a case or I feel I've saved a child's life, there's two more that pop up. Yeah. Uh, so it's an ongoing, ongoing uh, mission, and I'm hoping I could uh, at least contribute to changing the system so the work I do doesn't become so necessary. Yeah. You know, and one case I think about a lot is Ilian Gonzalez. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, when I helped reunite him with his father in Cuba, and I do have relatives from Cuba, and... Uh, and they've all left, and and I there's one who was a doctor in Cuba, and uh, he denies being Fidel Castro's physician. <laughs> so I can't talk about that because he'll get mad at me. Because, uh, but he was a very successful physician in Cuba. He was born there, grew up there, and now he moved to Israel, and he's a, a, a doctor in a hospital in Israel, and he's the only Cuban doctor in that whole hospital. Yeah. And uh, he's actually visiting with me in Chicago now, and it's really good to see him. And uh, maybe I'll call uh, Ilion and put him on the phone. Yeah. Maybe I won't, because a phone call would probably be taped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, the, those stories get the headlines, certainly. And um, but, but I think clearly family is very important to you, and I think that is really really good to hear because we all know the lawyer jokes we i mean i work at a law firm i've heard people talk about lawyers and you know i think that that certainly there have been lawyers in the past who don't do it for the right reasons or who don't do it the right way that's going to happen in, in in any industry but thankfully the the attorneys most of the attorneys that i've had the pleasure of being around which have been many are really good people and and actually, they really care deeply about their families and their clients' families. And that often motivates why they do what they do and how they do what they do and the hours that they put in, because it is a job that it does have a heavy requirement. And I think that the people that I've been around and you included in that are really motivated by their family and by just wanting to provide well for their families, just like everyone else, really. Yeah, and passion is really important. Yeah. I've tried cases against lawyers, and some lawyers uh, just fight because they just want to fight. They, yeah. wanna, they don't care. Uh, but then some lawyers uh, have a passion for what they do, mm -hmm. and those lawyers are usually fantastic yeah. because they love what they do, and that shows in the results mm -hmm. uh, for their clients. Yeah. Let's talk about your books a little bit, because I definitely want to hear about how you started writing, why you started writing, and then let's hear about Jeffrey Loving, the author. I started writing for a lot of reasons, but the media is so powerful, and writing books, writing articles, is, is a very important way to communicate uh, 
the change that's necessary. The first book I ever wrote, wrote Father's Rights, which is a, a, a great book, published by Basic Books. And in it, I, on pages 46 and 47, I have the statistics that show the impact of father absence on children. Mm. For instance, fatherless children are more likely to become uh, victims of sexual abuse. Little girls that are father absent are more likely to become victims of sexual assault. Children that are father absent are more likely to do poor academically. Mm. And that's in Father's Rights. And I'm proud of that book. It's my first book. And uh, I did get a, a little support from Barack Obama then. He wasn't president. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, a very long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but I did write a book, How to Be a Good Divorced Dad. And I did get uh, support from Barack Obama for that book. And he was president wow. then. Uh, and it was an honor. I served on his National Finance Committee. So okay. it was an honor to do that. And I also wrote a book prior to How to Be a Good Divorced Dad called Divorce Wars. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, that was a little different than my other books. Yeah. And I'm constantly writing articles uh, and I'm doing everything possible to get articles published because that's a good way to facilitate change, communicate justice. And uh, luckily, I've been getting a lot of them published in various newspapers. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, you know, when, when someone can share knowledge in a way that has passion, but also I think just you know, puts the truth out there without bias, I think is really important. And those are the articles that I really like to read. And I think in this particular arena, um, father's rights, you know, it's important to remember, as you were saying, that it doesn't matter the gender of the person. It matters two things. One, that there's fairness and two, that the kids are taken care of. And I think that's always very important. And so with these books, um, as you mentioned, father's rights here, and then how to be a good divorced dad. Um, those are really going to help people understand why you do, why what you do is important and why you keep doing it. And then uh, I would assume also why you help bring up the next generation of people who are going to follow in your footsteps and doing this kind of work. And that's, that's my main focus. Now mm -hmm. I have lawyers in my firm, mm -hmm. younger lawyers, and I'm training, mentoring, working with them yeah. so they could carry on my work into the future. Yeah. And that's that's a, a lot of work. Yeah. Because you know, it's it's just a lot of work. Yeah. Well, there will always be that work out there. Fortunately or unfortunately, it seems like it's always needed. Although I think um what you said earlier is true, and a lot of the best people do say that is that the hope is that someday we won't actually need people to do this kind of work, but, um, but there's always going to, people always need access to justice. And so that will always be there. Um, I've had a really enjoyable time hearing about what you're doing and about why you're doing it. Uh, we want to make sure that people are able to connect with you if they want to, after they hear the episode here. So can you share with us if people want to connect with you, they want to get in contact with you, how they can do that. My phone number is 312-356-DADS, 312-356-DADS, or 312-807-3990. I also have a website, dadsrights.com, D-A-D-S-R-I-G-H-T-S.com. I have a lot of social media, and I also chair 
a government body for the governor, the Illinois Council on Responsible Fatherhood. I also uh, volunteer time for the Fatherhood Educational Institute, which is a 501c3 charity. And if anybody wants contact information for those organizations, just contact me at 312-356-DADS and I'll get right back to you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's been really, really cool to hear what you're doing and we really appreciate it. We want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. You can also find us on LinkedIn by searching Bridging Chicago or visiting www.bridgingchicago.com. And be sure to visit dadsrights.com or visit them on Instagram or Twitter where the handle is at dadsrights. Again, thanks for joining us and we look forward to hearing, seeing from you on another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts, under certain conditions, and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.